Like a complete goofball, I just started this video and I completely forgot to turn my mic on. So thank you for the gentleman in the last chat who ended up telling me that. Hey, we are going to talk about Todd White biblically. See if this video, I've never watched before other than the two minutes that I just wasted reshooting this video. Uh, we're going to examine biblically whether Todd White uh, has anything to say that is something we should listen to or whether he is a complete heretic. So let's just jump right into this video. Again, I've never seen this video before, so I'm watching it same time as you. It's late, late, late. We're driving. We got an hour and a half drive. So about 25 minutes in, we stopped at the gas station. You know how gas stations at night, they ain't letting you in. You got that little box that you can pay for your gas or you can do whatever. I walked up to the window and my buddy Blake, my assistant, he walked up the window and said, hey, can we get some food or something? He goes, yeah, you can, you know, tell me what you want and I'll go get it. Real nice guy. So we went up there and started talking to him and I asked him if he knew who Jesus was. He said, yeah, the other day I was taking a walk with my friend and... I saw this thing and it said, God is always with you. And I'm like, that's cool, man. I said, hey, I said, you know what you should do? You should give your life to Jesus, buddy. He goes, yeah, it's been a while since I've been to church. People equate giving their life to Jesus with how long they've been at church. You can be a Christian for 50 years and never surrender your life to Jesus. You can go into a building. Going into a church doesn't make you a Christian. Just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac. I want to make a real quick statement for a sec. If you're familiar with Todd White at all, and you're coming to this video potentially because you have an understanding or context of his teachings, maybe uh, you believe that he has false teachings or something like that, I, I just want you to consider, first off, he has not said anything about anything healing related. He might, again, I haven't watched the video yet. He might say something about healing. I'm not sure. But I want you to consider, keep your heart soft, people. To, to We're just going to examine if what he's saying in this passage right here, in this this sermon right here, is biblical or not, right? And, and I'll make another video at a later time going over the specific criticisms of Todd White specifically. But right now, I just want you to examine whether what he's saying right here is something that is biblical or not. But anyways, let's, let's keep going. Doesn't. Going to a garage doesn't get your car fixed doesn't make you a mechanic doesn't you have to learn what that means so i reached underneath here and i grabbed this kid's hand to pray for him as soon as i grabbed his hand i saw him taking a a pistol putting it in his mouth and blowing his brain I want you to pray with me i want you to say this can i see your hand broke me so as we're praying i said your life is not yours to take i command that spirit of suicide to come off your life and he started to get delivered behind the glass he's I need to hear my father like that. It's different than evangelism, the way that we teach it. It's called a lifestyle. It's called the Christian lifestyle that's naturally supernatural. We're filled with the very God that created the heavens and earth. The Holy Spirit is not a mist or a vapor. He's God, the Holy Ghost. And he's not just in you to get you to heaven. He doesn't, he doesn't just want you to be saved and have him in you as a well. He wants to come upon you and paint you with him. He wants to cover you. And like Gideon, he wants to clothe you like a glove. The Bible says that he put on Gideon like a glove. That's what I want to be. So first off, you know, 
not to be terribly nitpicky, but it, it is important to note this idea of, of Jesus being or the Holy Spirit being upon you in the New Testament is not necessarily biblical. He is in you. He's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, you know, he, he quotes this regularly. It's a Bill Johnson quote that says he comes uh, he comes in you for your sake, but he comes upon you for others sake. That's not biblical. There's no scriptural precedence that would that would give that. Now, again, it's not one of those things that's, I think, an emphatic, you know, uh, an indefinite statement you can make in scripture regardless. But I just do want to mention that, like, um, yeah, that, that that is not correct. That this whole idea of just wants to rest upon you. Like, no, like Holy Spirit is coming inside of you. He is indwelled inside of you. So, again, not wanting to throw out the baby with the bathwater, but I will say that statement is not correct. I want to be God's hand. I want to be God's mouthpiece. I want him to use me. God, do it. God, I can't live another day unless you would use me. God, please don't let people walk by me without speaking to me about that. Lord, I need you to use me. Please don't let me miss the one, God. Let me stop for the one. Let me love the one in front of me. God, give me the words to say. God, help me. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. God, speak to me. Use me lest I die. Every day of my life, God, make me a better witness today than you did yesterday. I walk by people that are lost and dying. God, speak to me. Every day of my life. So one of the things that he keeps bringing up is this idea of God speaking to him. And obviously, depending on what camp you're in, you might agree or disagree that that's even a thing biblically or not. <laughs> I, I paused that on the worst picture of his face. Worst, sorry, worst picture of his face could have done. Um, I should make that the thumbnail. Um, but people have a challenge with this idea of God speaking to them. And is God speaking to them? Um I want you to consider for a second, a lot of what I hear in the charismatic circles here is that God is speaking to people predominantly for the purpose of you knowing what kind of food you should eat in the morning, for you having some sort of word about um, something personal in your life. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, um, but I want you to consider for a moment that this is not something that Todd White is oftentimes talking about. If you're wanting to criticize Todd White for believing that God speaks today, your argument just needs to be that God does not speak today, period, in the discussion. Whenever he's talking about God speaking to him, almost exclusively it's in regards to somebody else's salvation. Now, when it comes to the topic of the gifts of the Spirit and people who are Christians, um, one of the issues that is often had is the fact that these people are believing that uh, the gifts of the Spirit are being used for all these reasons other than what God was intending these things to be used for, right? The point is, is that Jesus is speaking to people using these gifts of the spirits, the purpose of tongues, the purpose of interpretation, the purpose of um, you know miracles or words of wisdom or words of knowledge, depending on how you want to define those things. It's solely for the purpose of somebody's salvation. I think that people, specifically charismatics, oftentimes forget that the reason that we have, uh, for example, um, you know, the speaking in tongues in Acts 2 has nothing to do with an angelic language, okay? So when we look at Acts 2, we see that this is uh, the day of Pentecost. This is when the Holy Spirit comes down. Obviously, it's one of those ones that everybody likes to quote all the time. And then um, says that he was standing here and that these guys were asking if, you know, if these men were drunk or whatever, because, you know, these men are speaking and these speaking uh, the the spirit had given them utterances and people use that utterances is this idea of a heavenly language 
says, now there were devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitudes came and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. People from every nation under heaven were there and they were hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are you not all those who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear all of you in our own native language? I was, you know, grown up in a charismatic church and I was taught that this meant that Jesus was speaking to these people um, through these heavenly angelic tongues. And that that's the exclusively actually what tongues was in reference to. Later on, I found out and through just reading what the Bible said, not reading what people said, it was very evident to me that that has nothing to do with this. This is spe- it specifies that it was people's native tongues. And although charismatics, I've never talked to a charismatic who believes that, that tongues is exclusively angelic. They believe it's also this idea of speaking in natural tongues. But What is the purpose of that passage there in Acts chapter two? Well, at the very end, it actually tells you. It goes on to explain, you know, he he goes on and says this sermon right here and he starts quoting Old Testament scripture. Why is he quoting so much Old Testament scripture? Because he's talking to a bunch of Jews. So it would make sense for him to talk talk, uh, with Old Testament scripture because that's in context of who he's speaking to. And then at the end of here, it says that these men responded to Peter saying, brethren, then what shall we do? And, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. And every one of you shall be in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will be given the gift of the Holy spirit. And then it tells them that about 3000 souls were added that day because they were all able to hear this miracle of these men speaking in their own native language. So again, we can argue separately, whether there's another version of speaking in tongues, it's angelic. We can argue that at a separate point. But my point is, is people's criticism of Todd White specifically here with what he just said in regards to being able to, to hear a word or get some sort of revelation from uh, uh, from God for this person. In this context, it was about suicide. The purpose that Todd White is using for these things is exclusively for evangelism. It's for people to meet Jesus, for people to become born again who are otherwise not born again. It's not for the things that we see like people just doing things on their own. Or I hear, I've heard so many stories of these private miracles in people's lives where they just had some crazy radical miracle uh, or, or, or tongues experience and it was just alone and private. I'm not saying that can't happen, but I don't see anywhere in scripture where we're seeing these private miracles taking place in somebody's life, at least new covenant. So anyways, let's, let's, let's keep going with what he's saying. Hunger. It's called hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And the Bible promises that when you do that, you shall be filled. But then the Bible also promises that when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, You're blessed because you're persecuted for righteousness sake. So when you believe that you're right with God, all hell comes against you because we can't let them believe that God is for them. So sorry. His mic is like horribly like fuzzy. So that's just so you know, that's not on mine. That's on his end. Let's set up everything. Look, they have to have their ducks in a row. Let's just manipulate the ducks. Everything has to be perfect. God, why are you allowing this? What if it's not God? What if the devil's just messing with you because he knows he can get your eyes off of Jesus and on the stuff? Obviously, Todd White is not a Calvinist, but I'm with Todd White on that one. So he's crushing us through our things, through our family. can't afford to have that in my life. So I'm praying for this kid and he's getting born again. Two points I want to make before we go on. 
one of the things that is oftentimes criticized with people who are specifically charismatic is they oftentimes get very emotional when they're speaking, um, which obviously there's nothing wrong with being emotional while you're speaking. I don't care what camp you're in. That's not, a, a, you know, I mean, there's plenty of people who do like Paul Washer is like as reformed as they come and, and, and he gets extremely emotional when he's preaching. But my point is, is I, I also don't want us to just say Todd White is correct and his theology is biblical because he gets emotional. Him getting emotional while he's speaking plays zero relevancy in regards to whether what he's actually saying is truth or not. Um, but so far, everything he said has been virtually spot on with the exception of that mention that he'd said about the Holy Spirit and you know coming upon you versus dwelling inside of you. But let's think for a second on that specific thing. This is something that I've heard people and they'll go haywire on, sorry, uh, in regards to him saying something like that. What does his belief on how the Holy Spirit is in you versus upon you change how you live your every single day life? If you really examine that for a moment and say, how does this actually affect how he lives as a Christian? The answer is none at all. You know, again, that quote of Bill Johnson's is that the Holy Spirit comes in you for your sake, but upon you for others' sake. Okay, that's wrong. That's biblically incorrect. But what does that change? It changes absolutely nothing about what he lives. He's not saying he's going to do anything differently now because of it. He's just saying that the perspective of how Jesus is upon you versus in you is going to change, um, you know, regardless, or it's going to change in that moment, whether you're using it for your sake or, or his sake. But the point is, isn't the Holy Spirit doing both? Isn't the Holy Spirit speaking to you for your sake and to others for their sake? So again, it, it doesn't play. It, it's one of those things that's just nitpicking. It's not actually doing anything in regards to somebody's like heart or, or, or where they're at or something like that. But, but let's keep going. Again, he's getting saved, but he can hardly talk. I said, you need to open the door right now, dude. Right now. I need to hug you right now. So he's crying, and he gets to the door. He opens the door. I said, come here, bro. And then I held him. I said, your life is not yours to take. It now belongs to Jesus. Oh, my God. If you were there, you will never be the same. So this kid, we, we loved on him, and he said, I, I want to love Jesus like you do. I said, good. I know a local pastor. I called him at 2 in the morning. I said, bro, here's the number of a guy I just met at this store. It's called Bell Stores. It's a gas station in Ohio, driving in the middle of nowhere. I said, you got to get to this kid, man. He needs disciple. Because, see, it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be disciple." Hmm. So first, first aspect that again, I think people would be critical of and whatnot is, you know, his, his belief of being able to hear from the Lord for people. I believe that there's nothing in scripture that gives any even implication that Jesus doesn't speak today. So I can go really in depth in another video in regards to the gifts of the spirit, why I believe that they are still in existence today. But um, the, the best and the most consistent scripture that we see that says that Jesus does not speak today is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want you, just in your own heart, just read this, read what the text is saying. Please don't read what Cody's saying. Don't read um, what your denomination or your theology is saying. I want you to just see what Jesus is saying and see if this right here is saying that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. 1 Corinthians 13 is about love, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envy. Love is not boast. Love is not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love uh, does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It is not resentful. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. All prophecies will pass away. 
As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial would pass away with. Some people will argue that that perfect, um, like people who are cessationists, they believe that that perfect is in reference to Jesus or the Holy Spirit coming. And now that he's here, we have no need for these gifts anymore. The partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. The question here is whether this is in reference to the gifts of the spirit ceasing first off, um, and well, not ceasing. They definitely will cease, but the question is when they will cease. This is when the perfect comes. Well, if we believe that, 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 um, prophecies will pass away and tongues will pass away and knowledge, it will pass away. That all, those are three things in one list, prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. And it says that that'll happen when the perfect comes. So when people say that the perfect coming is in reference to Jesus coming, then that means that we don't have knowledge anymore. That doesn't make any sense. And then it goes on to say, now I know in part, but I shall know fully. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but we will see face to face. Well, first off, we're not face to face with Jesus. So that can't be about that. And then it says, then I shall know fully. And even as I am fully known, are you in full knowledge currently of everything in regards to your faith? Absolutely not. No, you are not. I am not. None of us are. That's what's something that we will receive one day in heaven. Currently, we're seeing through a mirror dimly because we don't fully have all knowledge of everything. That knowledge we will have in full in that day. And then here it says, now faith, hope, and love abide these in three, but the greatest of these are love, is love. Why is the greatest love? The greatest is love because faith and hope will be done away with as well. You don't need to have faith when you have full knowledge of Jesus Christ because you're standing in front of him. You don't need to hope in one day being with Jesus when you're already with him. But love is going to abide nonetheless, even in the midst of Jesus. This has nothing to do with the gifts of the spirit not being around today. This is the best case that people who are reformed have in regards to the gifts of the spirit ceasing. So for him to be able to do something like this or say something like this uh, is very, very normal. It's very, very biblical. So for him to have some sort of word about somebody, does that seem as well in God's character lined up with the rest of the scriptures um, that, that Jesus would want to have somebody be saved, right? Um, through somebody getting a supernatural word. Well, yeah, why would he not? Why would he not want people to be saved in that kind of way? Does that make any sense? I don't think that we can use any sort of biblical precedence to say that Jesus wouldn't want somebody to be saved and wouldn't create some sort of maybe supernatural moment to make sure that this person is given their life to Jesus in, in, in this time, right? So anyways, uh, we're going to go to John chapter 1. And I want to show you another passage where what he's doing is a very biblical thing. Um, and again, this isn't me defending Todd White. I couldn't care less to defend Todd White. I'm not defending any man. I'm here to defend scripture, right? Scripture says that we are not having war against flesh and blood, but against powers and spiritual principalities, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. I'm not here to love on, praise, or criticize any man whose name is not Jesus. I am here to honor other brothers in Christ and people who are, I believe, truly born again and truly believe that they're doing what's best by the Lord. But I do want you to understand the biblical importance of understanding these topics correctly. We see Jesus, this is John uh, in, in chapter one, it says, um, it says, can anything good, good come out of, out of um, Nazareth? Nathaniel asked. And 
Philip said to come and see in regards to Jesus, because Jesus is from Nazareth. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked, how do you know me? And Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree and before Philip called you. And Nathan declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see even greater things than this. Now, there is some theological argument in regards to whether this is what we would call or define today maybe as a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Regardless, nonetheless, uh, it seems pretty evident to me, I believe, at least with my understanding of scripture, that this was some sort of supernatural word that Jesus got in that moment about Nathaniel, even though he did not personally actually see him there in that moment, but God had given some sort of revelation of that happening. Nonetheless, if this is not that, we have other examples we can give like that. And also, is it not possible for God to do something like that? Again, it's for the purpose of somebody's salvation. And Todd White, with his conversations like this one right here, is solely for the purpose of this man's salvation. That's what this man cared about at the end of the day, was this man at the gas station being saved. Todd White is with his incorrect theology in certain aspects. I do not agree with Todd White and all of his theology, not even close. Um, but I believe when it comes to a man, whether he's a heretic or whether he's a born-again believer, I think it seems very clear that he has a love and a heart for Jesus. Obviously, I'm not God. I don't know God. I don't know, or excuse me, I don't know God. I don't know Todd White. I don't know whether he's actually born again or not um, because, again, I'm not God. But, you know, if you're going to say that you really believe that that John MacArthur is a great preacher, that uh, Todd Friel or Ray Comfort's a great teacher, then, again, you're making just as good of an assumption as I am on somebody like Todd White being born again as well or a great teacher. John MacArthur is not biblical or correct with everything that he says and teaches. I am not either. And that's why I try to clarify nuance and clarify the things that I'm not certain on, right? Um, just like I did with Nathaniel Pastor. I'm, I'm not certain that that's a word of knowledge. It seems to appear that way to me, but I'm not certain about that, that kind of thing. I try to be clear on the things that I'm not 100% sure on that I don't think that the Bible is explicitly black and white on. But the point is, is for people to call him a wolf in sheep's clothing, to say that he is intentionally and strategically manipulating people with healings and things like that. And I'll go into a really deep video in regards to my thoughts on those videos and I'll respond to those videos. In regards to whether he's doing some sort of snake oil salesman strategy of twisting people's legs to make them appear that they grew out longer or try to manipulate and imply for people that their backs or legs or arms got healed when they were in pain because this is one of the things that's pretty common in Todd White's ministry. I think for you to assume that he is manipulating people and has this thought out intentional strategy behind his deception is total utter foolishness. How do you watch a man cry on stage like this? Again, he's either one of the most manipulative people on the entire planet, or he at least, regardless of whether people are getting healed or not, he at least genuinely believes that he's doing something that is a service to people, that is of love to people, that is of care, of compassion to people. He believes what he's saying. Now, again, that does not make him biblically correct in all the things that he is saying, but he truly believes the things that he is saying. And for us as Christians to then go and just attack somebody like that because they have some secondary issues that they're incorrect on is very, very silly. You're allowed to be a cessationist and, and he's allowed to be somebody who believes in, in continuation, which I would believe that as well. And one is not born again and the other is not. For my cessationist friends who I believe are clearly biblically wrong, I don't even believe there's nuance to the topic. I believe it's a black and white, you're straight up incorrect about your view cool. You're still a brother in Christ. I don't have a different view of you. I don't think that you're an idiot. I don't think that you're foolish. I don't, I think that you're truly trying to understand scripture and understand Jesus the best way that you know how. And I think that you just happen to be misunderstanding some topics, just like I misunderstand some topics as well. Right. 
But to say that somebody is a wolf in sheep's clothing or a heretic because they're teaching something that is maybe incorrect, I think is really where we're crossing the line. And to that point, I think that we need to distinguish an incorrect teaching or having misunderstanding of doctrine and a heretic. A heretic or a false teacher is somebody who, biblically speaking, is somebody who is intentionally and strategically preaching things incorrect for the purpose of deception. We see this in the book of Timothy. We see this in the book of Titus, where these are people who are intentionally in, in the book of Peter, where we see people intentionally and strategically manipulating people with their words and with their teachings. Matthew 23, Jesus talks on the same topic here. I'm not talking about that. And and that's not what, what Todd White is doing. He's not manipulating people for his own benefit or for his own strategy, for his own sort of personal gain in any sort. I don't see that in his teachings. And I've seen hundreds, if not over a thousand teachings of Todd White. I, I personally love him. I've learned and been encouraged and challenged so much by him. I've also listened to people on the reform side that I also don't agree with everything that they say, but that right there is spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is you being able to hear the topics and the teachings of somebody who you disagree with and still keep the good and leave the bad. Unless you're exclusively learning from Jesus Christ himself and the word of God itself, then you are going to be hearing teaching that is incorrect. But incorrect teaching doesn't make somebody a false teacher. And for you to tear down somebody's ministry or tear down somebody entirely solely because they have a secondary issue that they disagree with with you is a horrible thing that us as Christians should be doing. I mentioned it yesterday. I'll mention it again today. John 13, 35, for they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And they will know that I came from the father by the way that you love one another. In John 17, we, as the church have a, a responsibility to make sure that we're loving the rest of the body of Christ so that the lost and dying world sees that and wants Jesus because of what they see in us. If we're nitpicking, fault finding, criticizing every little secondary issue and calling everybody a false teacher and a heretic because of it, remember, you're allowed to call out false teaching. That's 100% biblical. It's commanded for you to do. But for you to attack individuals who are more than likely born again, remember Jesus says in Matthew uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, that you will be judged by the same measure in which you judge other people. I just encourage you and challenge you to be very cautious with just throwing and casting stones at somebody just because they might happen to believe a different doctrine than you on something. Again, it's okay. We can so 